now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 806 The Time. Welcome in. If you're just tuning in, Hour 1 talked plenty of Grizzlies, Memphis Tigers basketball, and started to get into Tigers football at the end of the hour. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you on this Monday, October 30th, 2023. We are in the Family Leisure Studios where family and fun come together. Family Leisure, their overstock sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. If you're getting ready to start your day, you're heading outside, cloudy and 43 right now. With some rain mixed in, we're looking at a high of only 46 today, chance of rain at 50%, and then partly cloudy tonight with a low of around 34. Overnight into Tuesday, we're talking about freeze warnings with uh, temperatures dropping below the freezing mark. So winter, at least a taste of it, uh, unfortunately is here and will be for the next few days. Of course, uh, tomorrow night could be very, very cold for the little ghosts and goblins out there. Second hour of the program is brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers, and each Monday and Friday they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know, with Saturday's win at North Texas, the University of Memphis is bowl eligible for a 10th straight season. That's the largest, sorry, that's the longest stretch of any non-Power 5 team in the country. Right now, James Gaddis, George, it is a big week. It is designer week. So mark your calendar today through Friday. During this exclusive event, every designer item purchased will enter you into a drawing for a pair of beautiful one-carat lab-grown diamond stud earrings, which would be a perfect present for Christmas. But speaking of Christmas and the holidays, with it being designer week, there's all types of great, great deals on all those great designers, all the stuff they carry. At James Gaddis Jewelers, it's a unique opportunity to explore the exceptional craftsmanship and the artistry of these designers while taking advantage of significant savings. So take advantage of Designer Week at James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. All right, let's get back into the Tigers' discussion. 360-8255, Sports 56 listener lines, the Tigers' Barely survive, but they do survive to go to six and two as they beat North Texas forty-five to forty-two. If you want to call in, you want to text in, well, you can do that right now, like Mike has done. Mike, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, uh, the thing that brought my head with the <clears throat> the Tigers was, I mean, about three or four times they got nine yards on the first down and never even came close to trying to do a quarterback sneak. I mean. <laughs> You, you know, you, at one point, especially that last time, you're trying to run the clock, and yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You got a six-three, two hundred and thirty-five-pound quarterback being mm-hmm. pushed by a couple of linemen. You should be able to pick up one yard. The tush, know? the tush push. Yeah, you, you're not alone. I had a couple of people in my ear on the sideline saying that as well. Let's yeah, go I mean, sneak. Uh, Let's go a, sneak here. We had a lot of injuries in the secondary. Of any of those guys out for the next game or? Yeah, so Greg Rubin was there. He was in uniform. He didn't play, so that's two straight weeks he didn't play. I would expect that he's close to coming back. Ryan Silverfield will have his presser today at 1130. We'll find out more. And then Cameron Smith got hurt, and I think it was a either a concussion or he was put in concussion protocol. So, you know, with concussions, you, you never know. So they could be a little light in that secondary. 
you know, they uh, had a good story on the guy who's the punt returner, who's the walk-on. For Memphis? For Memphis, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about Drake. Kobe yeah, Drake. they had a story about him. It was a good story about how his mother died when he was 12. and mm. He came over here and had all kind of problems. Uh, I think he got down to he owed three or $4,000 on his uh, <clears throat> uh, dormitory rent while well, he's still working at FedEx and just about to quit when Ryan gave him the scholarship. Wow, that's great. I mean, he, he has come through. He really has. Mike, thank you for the Thanks. call. Appreciate it. I mean, he's got great hands. He has not dropped a pass this year. Everything that they throw to that guy, he seems to uh, be able to catch it. Uh, Kenny is next up at 360-8255. Hi, Kenny. How are you? Kenny, you there? Yeah, I'm there. How y'all doing? Good, good. What you got? I just wanted to say uh, kudos to the coaching staff. Uh, you know, getting this thing, this ship back on track and a chance to, you know, play for a championship. And, uh, you know, Coach Silfield took a lot of, We've been taking a lot of heat. I thought some of it was a little bit overboard. But as a fan, you know, you have that right to uh, be critical of a program. Mm-hmm. But when what I look at, when you consider what he has to deal with, Memphis is, is a much, it, it's always been a difficult job in football. It's more difficult now in the day of NIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you take some of these running backs you mentioned. Do we keep those guys back in the day? After the one year they have a good no. year, they're coming to SEC school. No. We don't keep those guys. And you go back to, like, D'Angelo. Think about D'Angelo. As much as he loved right. being here. Wow, he NIL world. I'm not sure how long he plays at Memphis. No. And just a few years ago, making it to the Congress, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, we don't keep those guys. We lost a great player, Ole Miss, this passing. Mm-hmm. That could have really enhanced our offense um, this year. So I think when when you really look at what, he, what, what we have to do as a university, which depend a lot on the transfer portal. Uh, you're not, we're still not going to probably get the top players in this area to commit to Memphis from out of the high school ranks. So when, when you look at someone that's been a fan for about 50 years and what this football program, the, the, the struggles it's had, uh, hey, if, if, if this program can win eight or nine games a year and just dominate this conference, I, I don't know what more you can ask yeah. unless you do get a bid to a bigger conference. Kenny, thank you. I appreciate the phone call. Well, the um, yeah, I, I get him. I mean, there's no doubt in the NIL world, it's it is difficult for uh, a place like Memphis that doesn't have a ton of the NIL money to give out. the The problem for Ryan Silverfield again is he has very few games on the schedule to try. And, I mean, because there's a lot of people that just don't haven't from day one really believed in Ryan Silverfield. And there are very few games on the schedule where he can win those people over. Um, and a win over North Texas was never going to do it. Even if you beat them, if you beat them 55 to seven, people would be like, well, they're, they're bad. They're, they're, it's a bad team. You do this and it just gives people more ammunition that even though it's a win, they can figure out way they can, they can make it a bad thing. And so he basically, you know, the SMU game is going to dictate a lot about the rest of this season. That's really the only game on the schedule that he can maybe win some people over by winning the game because the rest of the teams are all pretty bad. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. There there are some certainly that that want him to fail. They they want him to lose that game and they're looking for criticism because they only won narrowly and had to come back to win. But it's a bottom line business, as uh, we know, and they're six and two. 
Now, if they falter against South Florida or falter against Charlotte before they get to that SMU game, it'll be merciless. I mean, they will come after Ryan uh, guns a-blazing. There's no question about it. But if they take care of business and beat SMU and beat Temple, you're looking at a 10-2 and team. Now, if they lose to SMU, they're 9-3. and But as you said... The three teams that were really good on this schedule this year, because this was an advantageous schedule, we've all talked about that all preseason long, all summer long, is Missouri, Tulane, and SMU. And in that case, that scenario, you would have lost all three of those. But it's still nine and three. It's still eight and four. And it's not six and six. You're looking for improvement from what you had the last couple of years. And you can only play the teams in front of you that are on your schedule. So it would have been pretty ugly today, but you win. It doesn't matter how well, it, it happens. It would have been just a disaster. Win. I mean, yeah. it was an absolute disaster. You just, uh, but you just, you just have to win the football games. The, and you're right, coming. They have to take care of business to set up that SMU game, which will not be easy. SMU, I think they just scored again. By the way, SMU beat Tulsa sixty-nine to ten. I think they called off the dogs at halftime. That will be a good test, a really good test for that Memphis team, especially the defense, which has been a bit shaky here of late. Yeah, you um, you watch where the Tigers' defense is, and then you see what SMU is doing offensively here the last few weeks. Again, it's against terrible teams. But they're doing it against as well, but I mean their offense. I mean they're you know what fifty five last week, sixty nine this week. I mean they're just they are and again. Yeah, they could have scored a hundred. I think this week um, if they wanted to, they are absolutely clicking. So yeah, and when you see the Tigers give up forty two points to North Texas, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, SMU. Gonna be gonna be rough. Um, Reggie Texan says, "Is qualifying for a bowl game our ceiling? That's all we could expect with this coach." Well, actually, it would be, appear though that is the floor because they do it every year. I mean, it's ten straight years that they've done it, and every year under Ryan Sofield, they've qualified for a bowl game. So that appears to be the floor. The ceiling, we don't know. I mean, they've got six wins with still a lot of long way to go. They still are on track, have a chance to end up in a conference championship game. So. No, I would say that qualifying for the bowl game is the floor right now. Yeah, look, there would be uh, a lot of fan bases out there that would love to see their school go to a bowl game for 10 straight years. But yes, the bowl game, just getting to the bowl game is the floor, and people take that for granted. But I can understand that. You want more, especially in this, this conference where Memphis should be right there at the top. Now, do people think that Memphis should be better than Tulane right now? I mean, there are some that say all the time, yeah, Memphis should be better than Tulane. Yes. But the last couple of years, Tulane's just been a better football program. They have more money to put into the NIL, and they beat Memphis in Memphis, which hasn't happened since last century, and they got that done. So Memphis is expected to be competitive near the top, which they are right now. But again, if you lose to SMU, SMU's leaving the conference. I understand that. You will have played SMU, lost. Tulane lost. Both those games at home. And, of course, Mizzou, you gave them a good battle in a game that was really a road game, let's be honest, at the Dome in St. Louis. And then you win the other nine games? I mean, are you going to persecute a coach for going nine and three? No, but there will be people that will say, well, it's it's nine and three, but it's window dressing. Look, look at the wins. I still think it's nine and three. You're going to a bowl for ten straight years. You're not going to the playoff. It's a four-team playoff, for goodness sakes. But people expect now, because they were in the Cotton Bowl, that they're going to be the New York's uh, the New Year's Six representative. Now, next year we go to a 12-team playoff, and that group of five is going to get a team in there. They're going to get two probably the first year at least. So you're looking at um, the possibilities for an American Conference champion to, to get to the to the big dance, if you will, 12-team playoff. So it's possible. SMU leaves. The 
bell cows of this conference, and I'm talking about football now, should be Memphis, should be Tulane, should be UTSA, maybe Florida Atlantic with Tom Herman. That's that's it. I mean, I know there's improvement in Rice. East Carolina hasn't gotten back to where it once was. But Memphis should be in that battle every year. That's all you could ask for is that they're in there. I mean, you can't expect them to be in a conference championship game every year, but people expect them to be battling for a chance. And right now they are. And, again, the narrative would have been a lot different (laughs) if they had lost because that probably would have sealed their fate. They have to win every one of these games against these teams, against South Florida, against Charlotte, Temple. But that SMU game is the pivotal one. The pivotal one. Because at 10-2, and and again, I don't know, Eli, if that gets them in with tie breaks and things of that nature. It depends on what everybody else does. But you would think, and again, it's not the overall record, it's the conference record, but Memphis would have a great chance if they run the table to get another shot at Tulane, assuming Tulane runs the table. Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, again, you don't play UTSA, so somebody's got to beat UTSA. Um, you've got to get that. So and you, Tulane you don't plays have control that, right? over that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's if if the Tigers win out, they certainly are in a position where they're um, they have a chance to be in the conference championship game um, if they do get a little bit of help from somewhere else. And if you're in the conference championship game, then I don't think you certainly could complain at all. But you know, if SMU comes in and beats up on the Tigers, yes, there's going to be a lot of people say, yeah, every time we play a decent team, we lose. Like it's there, there's you're absolutely going to see that criticism out there of Ryan Silverfield. And he's he's basically had three games on the schedule to try and win people over. And they've gone 0-2 in the first two, and now they've got one more to come. But yes, if they had lost this game, I mean, there would have been no winning people over. There would have been the one. There's a lot of people that aren't going to be won over at all by Ryan Silverfield anyway. this He would have lost a lot more if they would have lost this game um, after having that 31-7 oh, lead. No doubt. It would have been absolutely crazy. And we're look, we're here to talk about the games every single week. But I think people know me by now. I'm a matter-of-fact guy. I'm a win-or-lose guy. I'm not into the almost-loss, almost-won thing. I'm not into moral victories. And I'm not into... Oh, let's let's rip apart a team because they blew a big lead. Yeah, you rip apart a team if they blew a big lead and lost the game, but they won the football game. So I don't care. I care about the bottom line. How many wins do you have? How many losses? And that's every sport. Uh, Drew Texan says, anybody listening to the show could have coached this team to a 6-2 and two record at this point. Ryan is not a good coach, and there's no way he beats SMU. Again, I, I understand that there are people out there that feel that way. I know that. I mean, it is. And yes, right now... After watching that and watching what SMU's done the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't right now I would not expect the Tigers to beat SMU. We'll see what happens when that game comes around. But just right now, based on the last couple of weeks, no, I would not be thinking, yeah, the Tigers are have a great chance against SMU because SMU's just putting up unbelievable amounts of points right now in a Tigers defense that just gave up forty two to North Texas. Melvin is dialed in. Hi Melvin. Good. I mean I understand it called it called in. I guess you don't follow college football or the conference, like this ain't this is not the conference that Tommy West played in that when when the program was four bid first bid when Southern Michigan all those teams do it. We in a crap conference. All these teams are like bad games. And I mean, if if, it, if we play for a conference championship good, I mean, it's okay and of course they're not gonna find nine and three coaches. If they win eight games and win a bowl man, it's nine or close to win, but the real guy, what happened? Against Tulane, you up 10. That's another double-digit guy he blew. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. last year against her of, of 17. Another digit, double digit game with the blue against UT San Antonio after we beat uh, Mississippi State. Yep. Blew that game. Blew mm-hmm. the East Carolina game. That's the problem. Like, like that, that was a 21 point lead. Like, we get a lead and he, he goes in the four corners. Like, that land drive, like, Sarah Hennigan should have had 500 yards against that guy. The first quarter, uh, the running back got like, like two games for like 100 some yards. And you look up, what? You got a third, you got a third spring running back in the fourth. Melvin, we're losing you, man. I, I appreciate it. I got the uh, the gist of your, your point there. Yeah. They, look, that was. That's the knock on Ryan, the double-digit leads that they had, that they're good enough to have the game plan to grab leads in games, and then when adjustments are made, they're not able to adjust and teams come back and win. But that has happened. Going into the season, it was all about finishing. Well, you're right. They didn't finish the two-lane game. They had a 10-point lead. They rallied to get that 10-point lead. But they were able to come back and win several games here down the stretch. Yes, not the greatest competition, but last year they lose this game. They don't come back in that last-minute drive and win the football game. I see I see them being better finishers, and that was their goal this year. I also think that for what they have from NIL, that they did a damn good job in getting the players that they did through the portal. Because you think about some of the key players on this team, they are transfer portal guys led by Watson. And yes, he's right. Watson starts out like guns, guns a-blazing. He puts up incredible numbers. He still ends up putting up, as I mentioned, 269 total yards of offense, receiving and rushing. That's fourth best in University of Memphis history. So it was an epic day for him. But in the second half, he talks about going into four corners. Well, they tried to run some of the similar plays with Watson, and they weren't there. Yes, I could see mixing it up a little bit because the defense adjusted to those plays, right? But I don't know about four corners when you go for it on fourth and one and you go for it on fourth and six. You're not real conservative when you're going for it on fourth down. If you're sitting back there and punting, then you're really conservative. He went for it. And I haven't had I haven't heard really criticism on going for it on fourth and six. I think people were startled, but he went for it to try to put the game away. The play call was perfect. The pass was perfect. The pass was dropped. The game would have been over. I mean, the thing is, I, and again, I understand it, I, and I think there certainly is room to be critical of Ryan Silverhill, what he's done so far with the program. But, I mean, in this game, if Blankenbsey doesn't have the two drops, if Skates doesn't drop the first touchdown, like, it's, I mean, these, guys are, these guys are wide open dropping footballs. Like, what what can Ryan Silverfield do about that? Like, I don't know what 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 else he's supposed to do. You put guys out there, you put them in position, and they just they were dropping balls. If if they make if those aren't drops, they they probably still win the game by three touchdowns. But they were drops, and I don't know if that's. But I don't know how that how that can be on Ryan Silverfield. That well, you could say, well, he brought in those players, but no, I think those players have made differences for the most part. But the other thing again is a team, if a team is poorly coached, in my opinion, once they lost that lead, they get down so emotionally and mentally that they're not able to physically do the things they need to get back into that ball game. But that team never panicked. I'm right there on the sideline. They were confident. They went out there. They there was a little extra giddy up in, in Seth Hennigan's step as he's playing in front it also of helps family against the and worst friends. Defense in America. I said that earlier. There's no, <laughs> there's no question about it. But again, that's something that you can't. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, people talk about. Well, look at all the mediocre teams that they're playing in the conference. Yeah, it's not like Memphis is Ohio State and they're playing against all these other teams that are inferior. 
Memphis is in that same boat, right? They're they're a little bit better than some of those teams. They're a little bit better than Florida Atlantic. They're a little bit better than, and maybe not as good as Tulane. And we'll see about SMU. And maybe on even par with UTSA. But I think people get the wrong. Sometimes they think like Memphis should be Ohio State, and then everybody else should be Indiana or my Terps this past week against Northwestern. That's what that's what they think. But really, there's not that much difference. Now, I, mean, I, think, I, th- I think people believe, and I, I don't think there's a problem with that, that they, they should be better than North Texas and UAB and these teams right now. They should, and they have been. They're 6-2. and two. Their two losses are to Missouri and Tulane. They're both in the top 25. Town Village Audubon Park is senior living in today's world, offering more options to fit your needs more than ever before. Located at 950 Cherry Road, just off Park Avenue. They are dedicated to the long-term satisfaction and the quality of life for their residents. Give them a call. 901-537-0002 to find out more information or to set up a tour. Go online to townvillageautomanpark.com again for more information. Short-term respite stay available. Independent living, monthly options, great event schedule and activities galore. And the amenities, all the modern amenities that you want for your loved one. All they ask is that you're 55 years of age or older. Perhaps it is your future. Are you thinking about a loved one? Think Town Village Audubon Park. Monthly rental with no buy-in. Apartments include full kitchen, washer and dryer, all-inclusive resort-style dining with multiple venues, outpatient therapy, scheduled local transportation, on and on and on. It's Town Village Audubon Park, 950 Cherry Road, just off Park Avenue in the heart of East Memphis, 901-537-0002, or online at townvillageautobanpark.com. Barrett Salee is in the on-deck circle. We'll get to him when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Is the college football playoff picture becoming clearer or cloudier? We're two months into the season now, and it is time to talk some nitty-gritty as the first uh, playoff rankings will come out tomorrow. It is Monday. That means time to talk to Barrett Salee. It's time to talk some college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Barrett Salee from CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM Radio. Here's Barrett Salee with Greg and Eli. Make sure to follow Barrett on Twitter at Barrett Salee. Again, catch him every Monday talking football during the college football season with us here on Sports 56 Mornings. Hey, Barrett. What's going on, guys? How are you? Good, good. Tell me what you think the first, uh, the top five, let's say the top five will be tomorrow when the first rankings come out. In order. Okay, I'm going to say the rankings will be Michigan 1, Georgia 2. Actually, no. Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Florida State 4, and Washington 5. Hmm. And the reason I say the reason I say Georgia three is because Michigan has been flawless. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely flawless. They're not going to take into account the spy stuff. Um, and Ohio State has two extremely uh, important wins, and right. they care about that. It's going to be, you know, and, and that might actually elevate Ohio State to number one, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then Georgia, it doesn't have really any signature win yet, and from, they use this stupid term called game control. They the, the game control against Auburn is a problem, and and really in a lot of other games they struggled in the first half too. So to me, I just think that Georgia, if they're number one, it's proof that the committee is factoring in previous seasons, and they're not supposed to. But there's the human element, right? And so because of that, I think if Georgia's number one it would be proof that they're humans. <laughs> they're humans, and they, they know what has happened in previous seasons. It seems like most of the people that I've seen with predictions don't even have Georgia in the top four right now. A lot of people have them outside of the top four at this point. Well, and, and look, it's, the reason would be Washington has the win over Oregon. Yeah. But, and look, they don't, they don't factor in the AP poll, but we can talk using the AP poll as you know a reference point. Uh, Washington has a win over the number six team in the country. Yeah, so I guess I mean the, that that matters, and then you can go even further and say um, they play in the toughest conference, mm-hmm. and I think they will be viewed as the tough. The Pac-12 will be viewed yeah. as the toughest conference. So if if they're out, if Georgia's out of the top five or out of the top four, I would not be totally shocked, just because knowing how they operate, that's that makes sense. Yeah, that's like, and certainly, and then they'll have now they've got some tougher games coming up, and obviously sure. the SEC championship and all that. But I mean, those other teams right now certainly have most of them have better wins. Michigan doesn't necessarily have a better win, but as you said, they've been just completely dominant in everyone. That's going to be interesting to see how they do Michigan versus Ohio State because Ohio State has the better wins, no doubt, but Michigan hasn't even been challenged in a game. Yeah, and and I think that's it's going to to me if. That the order of those two is going to show you how much uh, game control versus resume matters, mm-hmm. right? Because Ohio State has not looked great. I mean, even this weekend they didn't look great against Wisconsin, which generally you know Camp Randall's a tough place to play, but Wisconsin's not that good this year. Um, you know, so things like that matter. But they've also done it against great teams mm-hmm. and got those wins. And you're right, Michigan. What's the what's the the biggest win on Michigan's schedule? Rutgers. <laughs> yes, I don't even know. I mean, well, and, the, and, I, and we joke about that, but the committee is going to like Rutgers a little bit. I mean, you know, they they are going to like Rutgers a little bit because they're bowl eligible. Um, so it, it will be fascinating because I think this will give you a really good glimpse as to how they view, how they operate, and how they're going to operate this year, or at least this week. And then next week, they're going to change all of their operations. (laughs) Well, what's interesting, and again, I brought this up uh, as we introduced you, is is the college football playoff picture clearer or cloudier after what happened last week? And we have basically a month to go. And I know it's going to be, it won't be as easy as, it seems, but right now, if you think about it, with what happened to Oklahoma, the Big 12, as of today, is in trouble. Because yes. if you have 
Washington, the Ohio State-Michigan winner, Florida State, and Georgia running the table, there's your four playoff teams, end of story. Yes, that, there's no doubt about it. And I think it's almost like the, the Big 12's been in this position before where it just cannibalizes itself, right? And mm-hmm. that, that makes for great TV for three months, but if you care about the playoff, then that, that is problematic. Um, so I, I think it's interesting because right now you're looking at the Big 12 and the Pac-12 as the co- two conferences where if there's not a true power, then things are going to get really sketchy, right? Those two yeah. are the ones that are at risk of cannibalizing themselves. And um, Yeah, I mean, the Big 12 in a tough spot. Uh, and, and really with Oklahoma, they had the target on their back. They struggle against UCF in a huge way, and that's a bad UCF team. And then they lose to Kansas. To me, that shows that they're not championship worthy, right? Because they can't handle the pressure. And, I mean, we don't know if Texas can with Malik Murphy because we didn't really learn a lot about Malik Murphy this year, this week. Um, you know, against BYU, didn't have to pass all that much. So, yeah, the Big 12, it could be in trouble, there's no doubt. And, yeah, that's like we really couldn't tell a whole lot from the Texas game. And they've got Kansas State this week, don't they? Mm-hmm. And Kansas State's playing really well right now. They are, and they like to get you in rock fights. Yeah. And for Texas, Texas can – I think Texas can play that way because Texas, you know, they have great offensive linemen. Um, yeah, they've got a defensive front that's deep and versatile. So I think Texas can play that way. Um, but can Malik Murphy – hold up in, in what will be a very unique game for him and as in that he hasn't seen this before. So yeah, it's, it, you're, you're on thin ice. If mm-hmm. you're, if you're, if you're in the big 12, you know, in your Oklahoma state too, you got bedlam, right? Oklahoma yeah. state is not, you know, not completely out of the big 12 championship race and certainly can, can play spoiler because obviously it has lost to USA, but it's also, you know, only lost to Iowa state. They essentially control their own destiny because they can knock off every good team on their schedule. So, yeah, things could get really, really weird. Isn't it a five-way tie right now in the Big 12? I I believe it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty weird, five-way tie, but still early. How about Washington out west? I just talked about, you know, if they go undefeated. But USC, even though USC's defense can't stop anybody, that could be a 1,000 points in that game. USC's capable of outscoring Washington. Then they play Utah. I was disappointed at Utah's performance, but that's a good Oregon team that beat them. Oregon State and Washington State in the rivalry. I don't see Washington going unbeaten as much as I like them. See, I do. You do? Okay. I do um, because I, I, I know the last two weeks have not been great. And we talked about Oklahoma not handling the spotlight. Uh, Washington hasn't done, done it well either, but they've still gotten wins. Uh, to me, okay, at USC, I'm not worried about that. USC is USC's going to lose out. That's going to be a 7-5 and five USC team. I am 100% convinced. No, I am 75% convinced <laughs> of that. Um, Utah, that's the sketchy one. And, and, and I think being at home helps. But at Oregon State, I'm not sold on. And then Washington State's falling off a cliff. So I think if Washington can get by uh, USC and Utah, which I think the first part of that equation is easy, the second part maybe not so much, then I think they can go unblemished to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, but I'm not as confident as in that as I was two weeks ago when they beat Oregon. So um, to, to me, I'm Washington, I, I thought, and, and I'll tell you, two weeks ago in 
our CBS 133, I had them number two in the country, and they've fallen back to number, I think I had them five, which is where the AP had them. Um, so, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I'm still confident in Washington because I do think their defense can uh, can figure things out. Uh, but I understand some concern, but I don't think this weekend against USC is, um, is going to be as difficult as you do, and I don't think USC is, is a good team at all. And Like I said, I think they're much more likely to be um, a seven and five football team than a nine and three, ten and two team, or a nine and three, eight and four team. The what the hell has happened in the ACC with now North Carolina? Like, I don't know who's <laughs> going to play Florida State in the championship game of that one. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, I, at, at first I was like, oh, well, it could be Duke. I mean, honestly, it's probably Louisville at this point, right? Which is I, crazy. Like six, <laughs> yeah, what are they, six, 15, 16th in the AP, whatever they are? Um, yeah, that's the one that I think you have to look at and say that's that's the likely opponent. And I mean, Clemson's fallen off the cliff. I mean, that is just a complete disaster. Yeah. Um, Miami. I mean, Miami. I just I had confidence in the Hurricanes, but yeah, Florida State. The, the path is is relatively clear for the Seminoles. Um, first of all, to get to the ACC championship game undefeated. Uh, which, I mean, at this point, I would be absolutely floored if they don't. Um, because what do they have? They have Pitt, Miami, a Cupcake, I think, in Florida. Um, that's easy. <laughs> that's really, really easy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think the ACC championship game might be uh, might be the same story. You talked about Georgia having, having uh, not beaten anybody, but it seemed like when – you know the criticism. Hey, you know you you kind of sleepwalking through these games when they had to play somebody with a little bit of uh, pizzazz. They played um, Kentucky and destroyed them. And then here comes Florida. Oh, maybe the rivalry. It'll be a good rivalry game. They destroyed them even without Brock Bowers. It just seems like Georgia's toying around. And, and, and really, you know, for any of us doubting that they're not as good, and they may not be certainly as good as the last two national championship teams, but are they still capable of winning another one? I would say yes. And I, I just think that they haven't really been – it's just one of those deals where they haven't had to call upon everything. And as the schedule gets a little tougher here at the end, and then eventually the SEC championship game, of course the Tennessee game, which I think they'll win that one too, I think we'll see the real colors. I would not count out Georgia of winning a third straight national title. Yeah, I would do that. I think the most encouraging part of, of uh, Saturday's game you know, was the fact, I think they stacked Grimmers four times in the first half. Um, that's three above their average for games <laughs> this year. So, you know, having having done that, fixing the problem for an office space reference, fixing the glitch um, is, a, is an important part of, of their, their path. And, man, Carson Beck's been awesome. I think the fact that they get a fully healthy Lad McConkie now is, is huge. Uh, and, and, yeah, uh, is Georgia perfect? No. Have they been as dominant as Michigan? No. Has, has your strength of schedule been um, you know, daunting. No, it's going to crank up here in November. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things with Georgia. It's like a light switch. You know, if you if you need to turn it on, you turn it on. Um, sometimes a little later than normal, like Auburn. Um, but it, that goes back to one of those things that is not. I'm not going to ruin your FCC license, but blank around and find out. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and Georgia almost did that once, and I think that um, convinced them that hey, they probably should. Uh, take things a little more seriously in the uh, in the first half and yeah i mean it's, they can just turn it on whenever they want to it's pretty impressive who do you like lsu alabama lsu lsu i mean i know alabama's defense is solid but 
I just think LSU with the way Jaden Daniels plays with um, with two weeks to prepare and with a defense and that has actually been pretty good lately in, mm-hmm. in LSU, they're going to turn it into uh, more of a track meet than Alabama wants, and that is not the way the Crimson Tide want to play. Final thing, do you see a loss for Air Force, or do you see them playing in the New Year's Six? Ooh, I, I see Air Force. I, I can't imagine where they would lose. And I, I think... Boise, well, maybe, at the end? I mean, they got Army. Well, they're they're going to crush Army. Army lost to UMass, for goodness sakes. Hawaii, so UNLV yeah. is good, but they got him at home. But they go that's, to Boise. That's the thing. is, is UNLV would probably be the best chance. Mm-hmm. Because Boise... Boise you know, looked good gonna, this past not going to be affected by winter. You know, right, at, at well, true. The end of the season. So, true. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, they probably go into the Mountain West Championship game undefeated and then, you know, come what may. And I, yeah, if they win that, they're obviously going to be that team. Right now they're ahead of, of Tulane in the rankings and they're not going to drop below them as long as they keep winning. He's Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. You can also hear him on Sirius XM College Radio. Catch him every Monday talking college football with us during the college football campaign. And follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. Thank you, Barrett. Have a great week. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. You too. Got to credit Mike Oresco with the timing on adding Army, though. <laughs> I know. We were they saying the same sa- thing. Sandwiched between a sixty-two nothing loss and a loss to UMass, but they did they did score after two weeks without scoring a single point. Um, they did score in this game, so they are, they are making progress. Clearly, the addition of the American Conference jump started their offense to actually put points on the board against somebody. Army was good, I think, somewhat last year. Two years ago, I think they were really good. But there's still a one of the dumbest moves to ever bring in that school when the Army Navy game does not count as a conference game. And you're right, the timing of the year award to Mike Oresco with Army losing to UMass of all teams, UMass, and Marcus Camby didn't even go for a double double. Forget, I mean they were shut out by Troy two weeks, so two weeks ago. What do you think it? So even if you don't, you say okay, well the one was LSU. Well before that they were shut out by Troy, so it's. Maybe, maybe you should have went for the Troy program that shut them out rather than Army. I don't exactly. know. Just a thought. Tonight, we got the Grizzlies in action down at FedEx Forum. If you're not going to the game, want to watch the action. Of course, you got Monday Night Football as well going on. You can head on over to East Coast Wings and Grill to watch those, plus the World Series and anything else that's on. All the games are always on at East Coast Wings and Grill. Plenty of TVs for you to watch all the action while enjoying some of their great food and great drinks. 60 flavors of wings to choose from, plus great burgers and flatbreads and other sandwiches and salads. All kinds of great stuff on the menu. 24 draft beers on tap, plus anything else that you want. 3.30 to 6.30 is happy hour. That's Monday through Friday. You can enjoy two-for-one beers, uh, bucket specials, and more during happy hour. Get 3.30 to 6.30 Monday through Friday. Don't, Don't forget to ask for a rewards card. You can earn rewards for every dollar that you spend. All kinds of great stuff on new menu items as well that have been added over at East Coast Wings and Grill. Located just off Highway 64, Kate Hyde Boulevard runs right between Lowe's and Walmart. And that's where you'll find East Coast Wings and Grill. More college football talk when we return. Hour three, we're going to get into the NFL. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56.
Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I know people talk about this being a, an off year for the SEC, although you certainly think George is going to be in the mix for the playoffs and maybe another national championship. But six of the top 19 in the latest AP Top 25 poll are from the SEC with Bama number eight. Ole Miss is up to number 11. LSU 13th, Missouri 14th, and then Tennessee is 19th. This week, huge week, week 10 in college football in the SEC. Ole Miss at 7-1 will host Texas A&M at 5-3. Rebels are a a 4.5 point favorite. If they can beat Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher's team would be 5-4. Tennessee goes out of the conference to host UConn. They are five touchdown favorites, 35-point favorites in that one. Florida, six-point favorite over hapless Arkansas. South Carolina playing Jacksonville State. South Carolina is a two-touchdown favorite, but look out for the fighting Rich Rodriguez's. Georgia-Mizzou, could that be a game? Georgia, 16-point favorite over Mizzou, having a great year. Vandy and Auburn. Auburn, a 12-point road favorite at Vanderbilt. Auburn, a nice win this past week over Mississippi State. Mississippi State, speaking of them, they are a three-point underdog at home to Kentucky. And then the big one, Alabama-LSU. Alabama, three-and-a-half-point favorite over LSU. By the way, Memphis has been installed as a 13-point favorite over South Florida. The um, By the way, we uh, talk about the Kansas Kansas knocking off Oklahoma. That was Brandon's slap game. The slap game again comes up with a big, big win. He also said take the over in the Memphis game. Yeah, he says that every week now. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a big believer in Memphis uh, scoring a lot of points and giving up a lot of points, but uh, especially against some of these defenses they're playing. You know, you know what's you know what's funny with with Brandon. You know, for those who, who listen and all that, you know, he's a goofball. He's funny. He's our goofball. We love him. He has crazy stories. The guy's good. He's really good at handicapping. I mean, really, really does a good job. He's been doing it for a long time. I know he has. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's done all right. He's done okay. Hey, I heard there was a movie made about his life. <laughs> Is that true? There there was. Yes, indeed. It was called Batman, wasn't it? Crazy stuff. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, folks, is a great option when you're looking to eat out, dine out, or just have that great food at home or at the office. And, of course, tailgating, tailgating parties. High school football, right? You got the playoffs starting in Tennessee this week. You got the final games coming up, I believe, in both Arkansas and I know for sure in Mississippi before their postseason begins. It's always a good time for Corky's, and they will cater any event, no matter what the size. And they'll start you out as low as $8.99 per person. They have been catering that delicious slow smoke barbecue for as long as they've been in existence, which has been about four full decades. Add a third of a rack of ribs when you purchase an entree. Do that for just $6.99. Again, you can pick up. Whether it be the barbecue sandwich, whether it be the catfish plate, the tamales, again, you get a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99. They have lunch specials starting every single day. Uh, lunch specials every day, I should say. And they have party packs that start at just 7 
1149. Four locations, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. You're looking for a place to host a little birthday party, a little gathering? You can reserve their private party room. Both the Cordova and the Olive Branch locations have the private party room. So call either one and reserve your time and your date today. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. They are open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. When we come back, hour three, uh, it will be busy just like the first two hours. College football talk, NFL talk, World Series. Get back into the Grizzlies who play the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Still looking for win number one. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56, 98.5 FM. 